0: This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at (laughs) www.abclife.org. So, there we go. Right. I've been thinking for a very long time, and this is a question I've lost myself. What's church all about? What's church all about? Um, We all think we know what church is all about. I've been in church since I'm seven days old. I thought I knew what church was all about. Huh? I thought as you all know, think you know what church is all about. Um, I've heard more sermons in church than you can shake a stick at. So, what's it all about? And I found a book in um, Helen's by Philip Yancey, and he says, um, <coughs> "Church, why bother? Why bother with church?" And so it really started me thinking. And I want to read this before I go anywhere. These are quotes on church and I've had this since two thousand and seven. You can see it's well worn. I keep reading it. And there's a one quote in here by a man called Bernard Manning. I know I've got you it's not Bernard Manning. I wouldn't come up and quote anything Bernard Manning said. It's Brennan Manning. I don't think I'd be able to come where share, could I, what Bernard said. I'll tell you a few jokes after. Right. And this is what he says. I want neither a blood and guts religion that makes Clint Eastwood, not Jesus, our hero. So the superhero. Popular today, isn't it? Nor a speculative religion that would imprison the gospel in the halls of academia. That means deeply theological doctrine dry not a noisy, feel-good religion that is a naked appeal to emotion. I think we've all been in that type of beating. I long for passion, intelligence, and compassion. In a church without ostentation, gently beckoning to the world to come and enjoy the peace and unity we possess because of the spirit in our midst. I don't think I'd love to be part. Rather, I think I would love to be part of that church. Wouldn't you? That's church. So what is church? Well, church isn't man's idea. That's one thing. It's a God idea. Man can shape it any way he likes. But church is a God idea. So, when you put Matthew 16 up for me, there's Jesus speaking to Peter. We all know this verse. And I tell you that you are Peter. Now Peter, before previously, Jesus asked him, what do men say I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replies this. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell, Hades, will not overcome it. So Jesus is building the church. It's his idea. So, the question often asked, is church relevant? Church relevant today? Lots of people say no. No need for church. But if the gates of hell can't overcome it, and Jesus is building it, then I reckon church is massively important and relevant to the world. There's nothing more relevant than the church to the world. What a lot of nonsense to say it's outdated. And so what we do is we give it a little makeover. We do a Trinian, and Susanna, on the church, don't we? We decide we don't like the style, we don't like the content, we don't like the look, so we'll change it all. And sometimes you can change it so drastically that God looking at it doesn't even recognize his son in it. Because we throw the baby out of the bathwater. We change everything about church. And it can be cool. And it can be modern. But I don't think it's the church. Because the church is one thing. The church is the embodiment of Christ. We have Christ in us. When we come together as the corporate body, we are the church. We are to be the embodiment of Christ, expressing Christ to the world. That's the church. It's not just a meeting place for us because we're nice people. It isn't an institution. It isn't anything. It's a person. It is Christ in our midst because we have Christ in us. And that Christ is supposed to be expressed outside of the walls to the weight watching world that's what attracts people i think yeah. not your multimedia yeah. not your fancy singing not your fantastic preaching christ and if you go with me to um i'm so, before i go on any further can i just break this up i got my iPad today because my husband has bought a new printer He's very good. He went and got me a new printer, but hasn't got a new USB port in it, so I haven't been able to print anything off. We've been struggling this morning, so there's where he is. Never mind, he's good. He's good. So I've to look. So if you call me to, um, I can't find it now. On this, I'm so sorry. In any case. It's Acts Two, Lee. Sorry. Verse forty two. Come up? Acts Two? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Right. Yes, the, the Apostles. Right? This is the meetings that were happening now, just after Jesus died. This is the beginning of the church. And many, many years ago, do you remember, there was an Acts 2. Suddenly we needed to be the Acts 2 church all over again. There was big talk about being the Acts 2 church, if you remember. A lot of nonsense talked. But this is what they said. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That doesn't mean that if you've got an apostle, you have to listen to every word he says. These apostles sat at the feet of Jesus and had first-hand teaching from Christ himself. So what they were teaching was what Jesus taught them, and they're now passing it on. It isn't any man who stands in a pulpit and tells you, you should listen to what I say. That is not what they devoted themselves to. But many leaders will tell you, I'm speaking this, you listen to what I have to say, and that's what you give your obedience to. This is the actual men who had been with Christ. And they say, saying, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, so we'll put that, the teachings of Jesus, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. There were four main things they devoted themselves to, which was teaching, unity, fellowship, and prayer. Brick and a bread. They ate together in each other's houses, that means. Not necessarily the communion that that we use. They met together. So those were the four main things they had. And God added to their number. Can you go on, Bumiru? God added to their number daily. God added to their number. God added to their number. You getting it? God, God. Not them doing marvelous things. Not them to be an extraordinary. Them doing what Christ has told them to do, and God added. That's the church. And I think if the church gets back to that, yes. God will add. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Goes without saying. So, it's not meant to replicate the world. Church isn't here to replicate the world. In any way, we're called to be different. And we're to be different in lots of ways. But unfortunately, I find that we love the world sometimes. We want the world. We embrace the world. The world enters the church. And we're not different. And the world wants something different. It doesn't want that. I don't think the world wants the church to be the same as everywhere else. It's not meant to be the same as everywhere. If you want it to be the same as everywhere else, go join a club somewhere. But that's not what the church is meant to be. It's not a social club. It's not anything like that. It is Christ. When we come together, where two or three are together, there I am, he says. Why? Because Christ in us. So we come together as Christ's people, his embodiment. I think that's totally wonderful. I think that's much better than any other thing of church, don't you? Don't you think think that we are, that in this place we are, now, today, at this time, we are the embodiment of Christ? Because all together, we are the body. We bring Christ sort of into uh, people to see. I I think it's totally wonderful. But we water it down. We don't want to be different because we think, by being the same as the world, we'll attract the world. I think, personally, I think we put the world off. So we're meant to be different. Different. And for me, I've looked at it and I thought, how many ways can we be different? And I've, there's not some deep theological sermon. I can't do deep theological sermons. I'm not a theologian but through my observation, through my experience, and through my reading, I think there are three main ways that the church is different. We're different in who we glorify, we're different in our love, and we're different in our teaching. And the world can't replicate any of that. That's where we become different. This has now gone on to low battery. Don't worry, it's all up here. So, to start with the glory, I'm going to go to the Nativity, so you're going to have Christmas in August. In the Nativity, I'm not going to read it because it's long, but you'll find it in Luke 2, verse 6 to 21, and you'll find it in Matthew 2, 1 to 13. So here's Mary, pregnant with Jesus. They come to um, Bethlehem and there's no room in the inn. So he has to go and give birth where? We all know. In a stable. And he's laid in a manger. And there is a star above the stable. And the shepherds in the field get the angels come to them and say, go see the child born in the stable. The star that the wise men have seen attracts them to the stable. But if you read the scripture, at no time is anything highlighted except what was in the stable. It's all about going to see the baby, going to see the child, going to see a king. The only thing that makes anything about the stable is the glory that's inside it, which is Christ. And I think that's like the church for me. It's, we understood it. Are just jars of clay, clay, and we have a glory in us, right? It is Christ in you, hope of glory, right? We can't glory in anything but him. The church's only glory is Christ. There is no glory apart from him. Apart from him, we're just a bunch of people meeting together, listening to somebody talk. A lot of nonsense if you're not a believer, and we're no use to anybody. We might do a bit of good works, but that basically is what church is. But when the glory comes in, something very different happens, isn't it? You have Christ working among us, moving among us, changing us, making us more like him. But when we start to take the glory away from him, I think there you're going to get into real trouble. Oswald Chambers says this, You can be as pregnant with Christ as Mary is. He says, he can grow in you just as he grew in Mary. And when people look at you, they know you are carrying something different. That's glory. Can you see, glory is just having the image of Christ imprinted on you for us, which we then reflect to the world. But the glory all goes to him. So when we are constantly, and some churches constantly tell you how good they are, how great they are, how marvellous their worship is, how marvellous they are at doing things, how marvellous their preaching is, and if only you would come to see them, wow! wouldn't you be changed? No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. With the woman at the well, I did right. Because after she met Jesus, she went away and said, come see a man. Come see a man, it was Dan's prayer, that they come here and find him. Right? You can do all the good works you like and get people to like us and come to church. But if they don't find Christ, what's the point? What is the point in it? Why would we have ministries where the name of Jesus is never mentioned? I don't understand it. In case we put people off, what on earth has gone wrong with us? When the church of Jesus Christ, who he inhabits, and whom we are meant to display to people, are afraid to use his name in case people are put off. I think we're crackers sometimes, you know? And so the church is Christ's, and the glory is his. Do you agree with me? Yes. That everything goes back to him. There's nothing in me that I can glory in. My what? I've got a mouth and I can talk. And I should be proud of myself because I've got a God put me. Come on. You know, but that's how we feel sometimes. My vocal cords work all right, and I can sing so I can be proud. We get it all wrong, you know. Because you're singing, so when you don't have do your vocal cords, you know that, don't you? The way your vocal cords are structured, that's where you can sing. And if you get E&T doctors, they can look down your throat and actually see if you're a good singer or not. But the way your vocal cords are, because that's the timpani. Now, there we are. There's a little medical thing for you. Just have I throw that in. Daniel Rowlands, he was preaching and they said that he shone, they were terrified, they were hiding, this was the 1859 revival in Wales, they were hiding in, this, in the pews because they were afraid to look at him because they said his face shone like that of an angel in the, in the pulpit, like mine is now, and <laughs> but I've got makeup on, and um <laughs> And on the way home, um, a man went to him, Wonderful meeting tonight, Mr. Rowlands. Wonderful meeting. And it was um, in Devil's Bridge, which is black, I should imagine. There were no street lights then, were there? And he screamed at the top of his voice, apparently, Not to me be the glory, but to thee, O oh God. That is the heart of a man. When people tell him, fantastic, shining. That's how close to God he was. And he says, not mine, not to me. To him be the glory. That's what church is about. And the minute you start to see the glory taken from God, you recognise that the church is going the wrong way. Something's happening that's not quite right in that church. But navigating church—what do you say about navigating church then? Wow, it's difficult in a blink in a. The most difficult thing you're going to have navigating church is people, because <laughs> people is tricky. Be honest. People are tricky. And church is somewhere that you wouldn't normally choose to go. If you didn't want to find God, if you didn't want to find Jesus, why earth you know would you go to church? Because church is made up of a bunch of people that at no time in your life you'd want to mix with otherwise. Mm-hmm. Now, am I saying the truth or am I not? Because the church is meant to be people from everywhere. For a start, you've got different sexes. So that causes enough of an issue, isn't it? <laughs> you've got different sexes in church. You've got different ages in church. You've got different education in church. You've got different structures in society. Everything is different. Everybody is welcome. And navigating that is tough. Then you get people who are difficult. People who are prickly. You know the prickly person. They like to tell you what they think, but (gasps) they get upset if you tell them what you think. The prickly, the difficult, the sick those things, you know, the poor, the needy, you get, our church is part of all of that. Yeah. Everybody is welcome, desperately welcome in the church because Christ's psalms are like this isn't they? Yeah, right. Come yeah. all, all who hunger, yeah. come you know, so the minute we started, oh dear me, I'm not quite certain. We're not like Christ. That's not church. So let's go. Paul speaks a whole chapter on the gifts. 1 Corinthians 12. Can you put 13 up for me, Lee, please? And after he's told us all how to use the gifts, and how he wishes we all spoke in tongues, and how we're to earnestly desire the greatest gifts, after all of that, you'd think, that's what church is, isn't it? The gifts. How many times do we highlight the gifts of our churches? And he goes on to say, then he says, but I'll show you a more excellent way. I'll show you the more excellent way love. Love is patient, love is kind, doesn't envy. He breaks it down into its component parts. Now, if loving all those different types of people isn't enough to boil your brain. He's going to break it down for us now, and he's going to tell us exactly what that type of love looks like. This is what it looks like. We all think we know what love is, just as we all think we know what church is patient, kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, isn't proud. Going on there? It in here. Did it come up no is patient. love is kind, doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it isn't proud. it's not rude. Wow, it's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It does, it um, keeps, this is a wonderful one, it keeps no record of wrongs. Are you keeping a record of wrongs against you? It's not love. It keeps no record of wrongs. Doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. Because it's the character of God. So love never fails. Well, let me tell you, all this year. We know a couple who come to this church, and I'm not going to mention names, but their family moved to a different town. And um, they go to a very different type of church. And they told us a story and it's it's laughable but where every week somebody would come in halfway through the service, walk down to the front and talk to the whoever was preaching and say, Morning mm-hmm. How are you? Nice day, you know? So you'd have a little chat in the front, then go and sit down. I would have huge issues with that happening every week. So I have failed on practically all of the love things so far, right? Because, you know, we're not perfect, but God does like to see us trying, doesn't he? And I thought to myself, I couldn't cope with that. I think that's rude. My non-conformist upbringing tells me that's rude and you shouldn't be doing that in church. All right? And that's, something am my sense of propriety possibly cope with somebody doing that every single week somebody should speak to them and tell them don't do that and then I suddenly thought because I respect and admire what these people do so much the way that they embrace these people that I have to think do you know what Irene it's not them that's wrong it's you and so my prayer is that if God wants to send anybody to this church no matter who, no matter how my sense of propriety is put out of sync, no matter how much I disapprove, that I would learn to embrace rather than be repelled by them. Because that alone is love. That's love. But we're repelled by people who are not like us. You know? We don't accept everybody. We can put people off. You know? And we live in this diverse church where we're all different. But I want to be a person who'll accept whoever God sends you and will love them. Because Jesus says, as I have loved you. That's how we're to love everybody. But he goes further. And there's boil boiler brains even more. <laughs> he goes even further. Matthew 7, verse 12. So in everything... In everything now, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Now that gets you, gets your juices flowing, doesn't it? (laughs) Because not many places live like that. Where? Do you know what I'd like, the way I'd like you to treat me? I'm going to treat you like that. That's what it means. So I know how you're treating me, but that doesn't matter. I'm gonna treat you the way that I would like you to treat me. Those are the words of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I've yet to be in a church that does that. I've yet to be in a church that does that. Because we sit here, and we're like the rag and bone man sometimes, aren't we? I'm only human after all. Don't put the blame on me. Don't put the blame on me. (laughs) Huh? Don't put the blame on me. On. <laughs> huh? I'm only human after all. Don't put the blame on me. Good, that yeah. I? we are shipped him next week. <laughs> but can you see? That's where we go. And then love goes out the window. Because I'm standing here saying, it ain't me, it's them. And Jesus says, Never mind, know what they had to win. Do the opposite. In the message, it's wonderful. It says, Take the initiative and do it for them instead. You know? And there's love. Different love. Different attitude. Different emphasis. Different preeminence. That's how we build the church. And God looks at the church and says, I can see my son. Wow, I can see my son. I can see my son in them. He's being glorified by what they do. Look at it, my son here. Do you think he'll add? think he'll add to that type of church? Then, I'm going to finish there. I thought I'd rant in this, but I haven't ranted so far. That's good, isn't it? <laughs> wow. But if I rant, be like, you can be like a pantomime and shout, ranting. So men, we have a different teaching. We teach differently to the world can't teach like a word right and we have a different emphasis so when okay, again we're going to navigate all this navigate it teachers will think that discipleship is most important preachers will think the word is most important pastors will think caring is most important and evangelists will think outreach is most important and you are going to navigate all of that in the church and I say one thing church is here to preach the gospel the church is here to preach the gospel, full stop, no more, that's it. But the gospel is the full gospel. It's what Jesus taught, and we've just done it. That's the gospel. Do it to others as they would, you would have them do it to you with the gospel. It isn't just the communion that we do on a Sunday as part of the gospel, but the full gospel is the whole of Jesus' teaching, because mm-hmm. he teaches your lifestyle as well, right? Yeah. It's not just about salvation, it's about lifestyle. So we're to preach the gospel, and we're to preach it in and out of seasons, to Timothy, that's whether people want to hear it or not want to hear it. it. doesn't matter. We're to preach the gospel. We're to tell people we're not meant to fiddle about with it, not meant to make it palatable, not meant to leave chunks out. We're meant to preach the whole gospel. It is the hope of the world. And to the world, it is foolishness. So, 1 Corinthians 18, if for me, please, Lee. Oh, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. That's what you offer people, you know? And if you want to bring people in and just make them feel good and make them feel uplifted when they leave, then you ain't going to be preaching this gospel to them because this gospel is about everything. It's about lifestyle. And to 2 Timothy, it is useful for correcting, for rebuking, for encouraging That's what Paul tells Timothy, and he's to preach it in and out of season. We don't like it when it comes to the correcting part. I had a tough message to give a few weeks ago, and it was on, um, from Philippians 2, and I knew it was going to be tough, and I argued with God, I said, I don't want to give this message, give it to Ian, Ian Ian won't care, Ian won't care. Give it to Ian to give. <laughs> give it to somebody else. I do not want to do this message. Because I knew it sounded tough. But in the, me- in the meeting that morning, was somebody who came up to me after. And it was a visitor. And I had no idea she'd be here. But God knew. And she said, I have come all this way just to hear that message. And she was going through that very thing. She was in a ministry. Changes had been in the ministry. She had taken offense. She was hurt. And she sat, and her bitterness was growing. Even though she stayed there, her bitterness was growing. And she said, You have just made me think. And I know she stood up at the end of the meeting and she said, It has changed the way I think. And I thought, Wow. Yes. I had no idea. Out of choice, I wouldn't have given that, mes- that message. No way. But God knew she'd be here that morning. And is what she needed to hear. You can't make the message palatable because we think that's what people need to hear. Because God knows who's in the meeting and who needs to hear what. And I've no patience. Sorry, I'm going to rant. You can shout, rant in. (laughs) (laughs) I've no patience with a seeker-friendly religion that doesn't mention Jesus because they're afraid he'll offend you. All right? I've no patience with it. There is no hope in it. The only hope is Christ. The only hope is his teachings for us and the only hope is the lifestyle we live out of it. There is no hope in a palatable religion. It is not the gospel. And we are called on to preach the gospel, whether we offend them or whether we don't offend them. That is the call on the church. But the church wants to be liked. The church wants the world to look at it unlike it. It has never liked the church. It has never liked the church. The church has never been popular. They have tried and tried and tried to stop it. It has an enemy called Satan, right? And people give in to him when, when they try to make it palatable, when they water it down. You are given into the fear that men there won't like us. They're not meant to like us, they're meant to love Christ. And we're meant to draw them in so they get to know him. Mm -hmm. Not get to see how glorious I am. Come to the church and see our awesomeness. Wow, you'll be struck by your awesomeness and you'll want to come again. So what if they never meet Jesus? So what? We're never going to be liked by the world. We're different to the world. But God is calling some. And let him call them in. But we have to be a church that God looks at and says... God was pleased with what he saw. The people pleased from Acts, God added to their number. And we work our off trying to get people in, don't we? Trying, trying, trying. Creative team, all this, trying, trying, trying. If only we'd be. If only we'd be the church. The embodiment of Christ. Showing Christ to the world. Loving each other. Preaching the gospel. It's simple. And that doesn't mean to say you don't modernize it. Otherwise we'd still be singing madrigals, Wouldn't we? Of course you modernize the church. But don't throw the baby out of the bathwater. And stick to the basics. Please stick to the basics. Never change the basics. Which is simply he gets the preeminence in all things. There is nothing in us that deserves the glory. He is our only hope of glory, is Jesus. And when you start to take it away from him, you lose what church is all about. Love is more important than the gifts. And I'm speaking to a Pentecostal church. But love is more important than the gifts. It's your love walk at the end of the day that'll show people what you truly are and who you're truly following. It's the way, and please listen, it's the way we love each other, not the way we love the world every time love is spoken of in this context, it's always among the brethren. Because the unity among us is the Holy Spirit. And he says in Philippians if there's any if you have any fellowship with the Holy Spirit, be united. Be united. That's love. When nothing breaks the commitment to each other. That's love. I'm for you. Do you know what? When you first came here I really had a problem with you. You know, that's what we feel with some people, isn't it? I'd never have chosen you as my friend. I'm not saying that part. <laughs> but can you see what I mean? This isn't the person I would have ever chosen to do life with. But I'll commit myself to you, because Christ has committed himself to me. I'll do life with you. I'll talk to you. I'll pray for you. I'll do what I can to help you. Why? Because Christ has done all that for me. And preach the full, orbed gospel. Not bits of it that we think the world is going to like and therefore we get more into the church I've come to this age and I know one thing I would rather please God than please men any day and if I can and if we stay a church of 40 as long as in that the basics are being held I think God is more pleased with that than a church of 40,000 where we have really got rid of the gospel Really, Tosa says this, Tosa quote of the week, gotta give a one. Hundred men do not make up a church, any more than 11 dead men make up a football team. Right? It is only the power of the Holy Spirit within us, Christ in the church, Christ in us. And it says that it goes on that the church will be filled to the fullness of Christ. Himself, can you imagine that? Can you imagine a church where the church, all of this is filled to the fullness of Christ himself, He becomes so tangible among us that people just were going to walk in and meet him that 's what I think church is. all the other bits you can argue about the iron note, but for me, there are three basics without it i don 't think we 're a church, and without it. I don't think we grow in a way that pleases God. So I, my prayer for this church, stick to the basics, love each other, preach the gospel, become the church. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269